0: Vital Educators podcast is hosted by self-development coach, investor, and renowned educator, Ahmed Saqib. Ahmed will speak to fellow educators, young professionals, ordinary people like you and me, about their life choices that allowed them to become successful in their careers. He will also delve deeper into the psychology and their perception of success. The good, bad, and the ugly. For young students, he will discuss techniques to help you with your learning and development. Ahmed is committed to helping you determine what you want to do in life. He will share his own life experiences of self-discovery and self-realization that has led him to launch this venture. So this podcast is for anyone who wants to know more about various parts to becoming successful in any profession or passion. Hi guys, Amit here from Vital Educators. So today I have a very unique guest on the podcast. His name's Rolando and uh, he is a podcast host himself. He actually works, he's a senior director at Dramatic Health and he's a host of actually two podcasts. One's called Game Changers in Medicine where he actually talks about history of medicine and the other one's called Remake, Reboot and Re-Revivals which actually talks about filmmaking. So Rolando, thank you so much for coming onto to the podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me.
0: Brilliant. Obviously, on this podcast, we uh, specifically talk about education and career. So, I just want to get into the nitty and gritty and, and ask you: How did you first of all? How did you get into podcasting? And uh, how did you get into filmmaking? Because I know that you do a lot of filmmaking yourself as well. It's... Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, so, I got into podcasting when I uh, connected in grad school with uh, my co, my current co-host from my podcast, Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. She. I kind of got her into podcasting. I introduced her to some podcasts when she started trying them out. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was her second year where she, around the time she was about to graduate, I had already graduated. She kind of mentioned, she's like, hey, do you want to start a podcast? And at that point, I kind of had already wanted to do a podcast, but I wasn't sure about what. Um, So we kind of settled on this idea eventually. She wanted to teach me. So she is a film history buff, right? She loves old, old movies. And I'm more of a contemporary pop culture kind of guy so she wanted to do a podcast where she's just teaching me about film history and i kind of was just like well that's kind of a little boring right so eventually we settled on this idea where we're kind of doing the best of both worlds in which you know hollywood has a lot of remakes they have a lot of reboots a lot of revivals so the idea is we compare the history of these remakes reboots and revivals and we compare the two movies or sometimes three four You know, uh, from the original ones to what we have now. And uh, one of the interesting things that we noticed, because me and Nicole were both minorities, is that a lot of these movies and TV shows are trying to include people of color, people of the LGBTQ spectrum. And uh, sometimes sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not. I feel like a lot of times it's not because sometimes you can just tell they're just cramming it in there for the sake of cramming it in. So me and Nicole, as both members of the LGBTQ community and uh, as Latin Latinx, like we both decided, just like, all right, cool, let's talk about this stuff because you know we both are filmmakers and we both kind of know what we're talking about.
0: <laughs> okay, so if I was to, so obviously th- this is a current trend that's going on right now um, amongst minorities. What do you think of a Black James Bond?
1: Oh, I'm not against a black James Bond. Uh, it's similar to what we were talking about when we were talking about uh, a black Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I think the reason for me is just because I think if... Uh, Nicole would correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I'm pretty sure that James Bond at this point is more like a uh, alias. He's not even like one person. So having a black James Bond is it's not that out of mind, right? It's just an alias. As long as he's suave, as long as he's handsome, and as long as he's like a smooth talker, I think you know the spirit will live on. I don't think the skin, the color of the skin, matters.
0: Okay, so that means in the future we can also hope for a, a Latino uh, James Bond as well, hopefully.
1: Oh yeah, La- Latino, <laughs> Middle Eastern, you
0: know, all sorts of things. So basically, Rami Malek would one day play uh, uh, James Bond, basically. Well, that'll be it. what a dream, what a dream, right? <laughs> he, he he did a great job with Freddie Mercury, of course. I mean, that, that was unbelievable. He
1: did, yes, he really, really did. And it's so funny, right? Because I thought that movie was like that movie was it was fine, it was a fine movie. Uh, but like he really did he made that movie obviously of course with his performance
0: absolutely uh, given the fact that he's american bloody hell that was unbelievable um mm-hmm. clearly you're a film buff and uh, so am i by the way and i also ask these kind of things myself as well like uh, because i don't have anybody to share these kind of thoughts with of course these are again controversial thoughts like i recall uh, when they made uh, catwoman I think they uh, got Ruby Rose
1: cast. Uh, not Halle Berry. Oh no! no you're, you're talking about
0: Batwoman. The Batwoman, the new one. Sorry, not not okay. not Bat. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Not Catwoman. Sorry, Batwoman. You're okay. right. And and everyone just oh. went berserk. That uh, she uh, undermining Batman's work and all this and all that and and it, it just went uh, really really crazy. What's your view on that? What's your view about that? I mean. It's...
1: I mean, you know, I, I follow DC Comics and Batwoman exists. I don't know necessarily. So I haven't seen Batwoman. I, I can't speak to what they've done with her character. But like, I don't know. At this point, we've seen the Batman story so many times. It's just like, why can't we see a Batwoman story? Um, and on top of that, like, keep in mind, Batwoman herself, she is a lesbian. I don't think she's bisexual. I'm pretty sure she's a lesbian. In the comics, she was in a relationship with Renee Montoya. And that was a pretty hot and steamy one. Um I don't know. I, I I what people were upset that there was a a Batwoman show and it's just like, who cares? It's like <laughs> it's just it's just another it's just another story that needs to be told. Because we've gotten so many Batman stories. I mean me and Nicole we did an episode on just Batman alone and there's like I think like eight theatrical releases to date. Yeah. So and they're like, also releasing
0: a new one with uh what's his name? I can't remember. Robert Pattinson. That's the one, yes. So, so yes, that's yes, the new. I'm actually
1: I'm looking forward to that one. I tend to be very like, open-minded with Batman stuff, uh, you know. I think I think he, <laughs> he
0: speaks to uh, our generation, believe it or not. He speaks to millennials, uh, and of course a lot of young audiences as well because they relate to the struggle of being an outsider, and uh, especially I don't know, especially minorities as well. I feel I feel like that struggle. Obviously, we're not bi- billionaire uh and neither and we are playboys but at the same time i mean um, there, there, there's a lot of similarities with that character especially with batman begins with christian bale did in that movie was was something unique where he literally goes off uh into the himalayas and trains for 10 years and then comes back that was such a that was such a uh, such a i wouldn't say a relatable story but that's that's such a that's such a um so, 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 something that was so profound to me and then I think- yeah, go on. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think of the trilogy, it worked for its time. Specifically, mm-hmm. the last one, right, where they mm-hmm. capitalized heavily on that one percenter idea. We yep. were uh, doing the uh, oh, what was it? That movement against uh, up against Wall Street, and I lost the name of it already.
0: Which movement? Uh, against- uh, Occupy, 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 Occupy. Occupy Wall Street. Occupy. That was yeah, That was a that's on, movement up was going one. out yeah. of time. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: and you know, Batman, the third one uh, with Christian Bale, like that one Ooh. was heavily influenced a lot by a lot of that political discussion that was happening Mm, at the time. mm. Um yeah. I'm curious if uh if the new Robert Pattinson movie will kind of work on along the lines of like kind of Black Lives Matters and like police brutality because I think that's like an I think will go that way. It could. I mean it might, who knows, right? It might Mm, go that way mm. if they want to be relevant.
0: Oh, that's a good point. That's a very good point. I mean, again, uh, this stuff is documented in in comics all the time. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. watching, um, I remember watching uh, returns, and uh, uh, and 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 I remember a pimp is sitting in the car. Uh, and he's sitting with his his woman the, one of his uh, prostitutes and Batman kind of comes back and just jumps onto the car uh, and, and, and kind of beats the guy up basically. So I guess they can play that scene again where somebody's being brutally beaten up by the police and Batman comes and saves. I don't know whether you saw that uh, one of the videos that came out recently where um, uh, the, the riots are going on and there's this Batman just appears. I don't know whether you saw that. Um, I have seen the video, so uh,
1: to my understanding, that guy is actually kind of like a pro cop person, though. <laughs> so a little bit problematic. Yeah. No, way.
0: that's hilarious.
1: He's just he's just in there, like kind of. I don't even know what his point. I I haven't seen the video, but because like, as soon as I found out that he is like kind of the on the on the cop side of the disc- the discourse, I'm just like, all right, I'm not I'm not really into it because Batman in the comics he had they have been specials in terms about Batman addressing police brutality because you know mm. one of the things about Gotham is the idea that. It's a really corrupt police force Mm. and Batman himself, even though he is a vigilante and even though he does help out cops, he is still against crime. So like when cops step out of line, he will call them out and he will fight them on it.
0: Wow. Wow. So clearly, um, obviously, there's a there's so on this podcast, you talk about these reboots and these discussions. If I was to ask you this one question, what's your favorite remake and reboot of all time?
1: Oh, that's a good one because I've watched so many at this point, and like <laughs> I have more dislike. Oh, okay. I'm gonna the most my favorite revival is mm-hmm. probably the Watchmen. Oh, and okay. so HBO releases fantastic uh, revival of Watchmen based mm-hmm. off of the the comic, right? Yeah, and even though it's not necessarily related to the movie because the movie itself is when you think there's a lot of visual cues from the mm-hmm. movie because the movie took so many visual cues from the actual yep. comic, right? Yep. And I think the message, you know, you had a black female lead. She mm-hmm. was empowered. It mm-hmm. was really a story about black lives without exploiting them. And it was so well done. That's easily one of my favorite revivals. Wow. In terms of my favorite remake, though, I'm going to probably have to say right now, it might be A Star is Born off the top of my head because nice. yeah. uh, I saw the the one with... Uh, what is her name? Uh, Barbara, Barbara Streisand, the Barbara yeah, Streisand one, which yeah. is the most previous one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one was just not good, despite the fact that like has like, this longevity attached to it here in America. But it's not a particularly good movie. Um, my my co-host, she's obsessed with the with the one starting Ju- Judy Garland, and that one I thought was too long for my liking. And I think the Lady Gaga one, which is like the fourth, you know, the fourth uh star is born. I think that one's just captured the right spirit. I know I was making the argument that that's a story that probably can't be told anymore because. Uh, you know, the music industry itself is kind of dying out. Mm. So, yeah, it's... Uh, but it's, it's one of my favorite ones I've seen so far. Do you
0: think sure. that she was the right cast, she was the right person to be cast for that role? Or could, oh, could they have done somebody better?
1: I, I, no, no, no. I actually... When I when she was first cast, I, I didn't know much about the movie or the storylines yet. Uh watching all the movies from the original, which I think nineteen forties, maybe nineteen thirties, uh, to this one, she was cast perfectly. And they modeled a lot of the character off of her actual life, right? She had some writing credits in the actual script development once she paired up with Bradley Cooper. Once once she was cast, uh her and Bradley Cooper reworked the script to kind of make it sort of Biographic it wasn't you know it's obviously uh, it's obviously fiction but like you know they did take some cues from her actual real life to tell the story
0: brilliant wow you know what um i haven't watched watchmen first of all so that's very helpful so i will definitely check the series out um of course no i watched okay. I watched star is born and that was a profound film i really loved it at all as well mm-hmm. but i think if they had they casted somebody like anne hathaway uh well lady gaga did an incredible job anyway let me just let me make that clear but uh but i wonder why bradley cooper I mean, she, actually,
1: she deserved that oscar nomination
0: yeah she, she definitely probably should have won the oscar program i don't
1: remember who won that year again that's where nicole comes in she can name like literally every
0: winner i think it was meryl streep maybe because she basically whenever she comes in she always wins anyway so yeah so it was one of her movies i recall in the recent memories um Okay, awesome. So you have this podcast where you're talking about all of this stuff. Now, l- listeners, um, the, the audience I have are mostly consist of young people. So the question that they might be going through is that: How is this guy working uh, as a senior director of a corporation, but at the same time has two podcasts? One is actually talking about history of medicine, and the other one he's talking about films and anything to do with films. What's what? What's the connection here, and why the disparity? How, what, what the hell is going on, basically?
1: Yeah, I mean, the company that I work for currently it is a health media company. We do a lot of uh, commercials that you'll see on TV for pharmaceuticals, right? And I, uh, I, I, you know, the reason they actually came to me with this podcast was because I already have a podcast and I've been doing it for about a year and a half. And they were like, hey, we kind of want to launch this property. Will you take over since you have experience? And I was just like, all right, fine. And You know, I went to school for video, not necessarily audio production, but it's interesting, right? A lot of the same principles for filmmaking, they do apply for podcast production. So it's just, you know, it's 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 I do it for fun, to be totally honest. And, uh, uh, you know, going to grad school and going to even undergraduate, it was all about just learning how to do time management. So as long as I can keep juggling all these things, um, I'm happy.
0: So, um, as a minority, right, and and I speak as a minority myself. My parents, um, had I told them, um, that I want to get into filmmaking, they would have, mm-hmm. they would have turned around and said to me, "What would you do with this job?" Did you have that sort of problem with your parents as well? Or oh, did you... I definitely
1: had that. Right <laughs> with my... Been, okay, to my mom specifically. So my mom she is a Peruvian. She right. is an immigrant here in, in the United States. And, uh, she wanted, I was a smart student, right? I always gen, without even trying, I would get B's and C's. And if I put some effort into it, A's. So I was, and, uh, I was well-behaving. behaved So my parents just assumed I would either go into law school or even medical school. Uh, but even from a young age, I always kind of go into, I wanted to go into filmmaking from like a really young age. I remember living in the Bronx and, uh, trying to write the script, which was about who shot the president and trying to use my friends to kind of like film it with a VHS. You're you talking right? about
0: uh, Kennedy, Mr. John John F. Kennedy
1: i mean i don't know uh i don't even know it must have been no it must have been bush i was uh i was in the bronx was,
0: did somebody uh, did somebody shoot there. shot bush i didn't even know really i don't know no No.
1: i don't think anyone shot but i just wrote that as a script of who shot the president and i'm like uh i was like probably five or six trying to like make a movie and stuff i just remember these memories and uh i always wanted to go into the arts even uh you know Grammar school and high school, I was always like trying to do anything I could related to the arts. My father never had a problem with it because... He himself studied music professionally, and even though that's not what he ended up doing career-wise, career-wise, he was an IT uh, person for the UN and for the Department of State. Uh, He was always very passionate about the arts, so he was always okay with it. And my mom, it took her a lot of convincing because she was not ready to pay for college or help me out in college if I was going to go do what she considered to be kind of just like play. And uh, even you know the cr- the question always comes up is like what are you going to do for a career and I'm just like I'll figure it out and I did figure it out you know I worked hard to you know get my first job as a script reader and then from there just worked my way up and now I'm a producer for a production company and uh, I I've told my mom this and I tell this to a lot of like younger students who are in college and who are like kind of struggling with this idea of like oh is video production like an actual viable career it is it is because I think nowadays because of social media you really need a presence online video and photography that will help you with a presence. And I think just like every company tends to have like a, uh, an accountant or even a lawyer on their not to their staff, but like someone that they'll hire. I think the same is going to go with video producers. They're going to want these people to come in, make video for my company, make video for me. I want to stand out. And I think nowadays because of that, and because the technology has made it so much easier for anyone to pick up a camera or audio equipment, I think, you know, we're entering an age where yeah it's going to be very very prevalent people are going to use them all uh use video producers all the time so yeah I, I it took my mom some convincing but once she once i landed my first job and i had it consistently i think she kind of realized like okay he's he's doing stuff i wonder i wonder and how we,
0: she was whilst you were at a university she was like i would not speak to you ever again <laughs> i mean
1: luckily for me my sister was more of a black sheep than oh wow <laughs> where <laughs> she didn't even go to college she just went right into the workforce oh, after wow. high school so you know
0: Rebels, man.
1: I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I blame my dad on that
0: one. <laughs> but it's good that you had a dad who'd support you, who saw that. Uh, both of my parents come from STEM backgrounds, uh, so um, I I had a lot of pressure going into, and, and I I consider myself that I, I haven't really made it. Like you know, I haven't really done anything productive with my life so I constantly feel that way because of the I guess the pressure that I have with the surrounding people like pretty much my cousins and my friends who have actually gone into medicine who've gone into doing dentistry and all kinds of things so it's really weird for me to be to to feel that way at all times so uh, so so did you not feel that way by being around your peers or, or do, you, do you do you ever had any sort of peer pressure
1: um that's a good question I think in terms of peer pressure, I tended to hang around. So in college, the first thing I did. So in actually, all right, let's. I'll even go back to high school. Right in high school, I kind of hung out with the, uh, the the more dead. They're not deadbeats. That's a mean thing to say, but they were kind of. You know, we, I, I mean, I'll just say like we kind of we were kind of just like hanging out just sometimes smoking weed and stuff growing up and uh, that's just what we did and again I could get away with this stuff because I used to get I used to have good grades I was in the student council I was in I was in the wrestling team you know I, I I was doing stuff I wasn't just like smoking weed and doing nothing with my life as far as people were concerned I was just like hanging out with like necessarily what some people would consider like kind of like bad influences but I was still like doing all the stuff that you need to do to get ahead of you know to get by. Uh, so when I got my full scholarship in college, um, you know, the assumption is it's just like, all right, well, he has a full scholarship. He's smart. he. I went in there kind of already with a mindset of just like, I want to make college be as fun as possible. And I went to uh, a college that's uh, it was like a state school it was kind of it was smaller um and so i was just looking for them to do i joined a fraternity right and i think that was one of the best decisions of my life because when i joined the fraternity i got to meet a lot of people that i would just never really hang out with or talk to and uh you know it does open up some connections in terms of jobs career-wise i remember one of my first jobs i got as a cameraman was through the fraternity uh just, just some alumni and stuff so that helped out. Also, um, we were all going through, and in you know, in my fraternity, we were all going through these different things, uh, career-wise. Right? We all wanted to do different things. So, I never, even though I was like the 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 filmmaker in this group, even from college, I was using those skills i I could in and applying them to real world application. So you know, making videos for the fraternity so we could use them on Facebook because Facebook was just starting and they had just started taking video. Uh YouTube was also, you know, in its infancy. I don't think Instagram had video just yet. It was just photography. But you know, we were just uh I was always looking as to how video can help us out. And uh you know, people as you can see now, people solved it. And uh I just happened to be just from a young age just kind of saying it's just like, nah, video video is important. Video is Universal. I think with the advent of digital cameras, I I, I was just one of those students who kind of just said it's just like okay, good. Like filmmaking should not just be for the rich people because filmmaking with actual film, film like uh, film stock, is so expensive and it's so time consuming. And it is, uh, I think, when directors like Christopher Nolan or Quentin Tarantino they talk about wanting to do film like and keep it to be film stock. I think it's an elitist thing. I think it's just a way of them trying to say it's just like well we have the money to do this art form uh and you guys don't and therefore our art is better and it's just that's not the case you know like 28 days later was shot on mini dv and digitized and it's one of the greatest horror movies of all time so i don't know i I guess even from a young age i was always a big proponent of that where i just think it's just like if you have and i tell this to like a lot of the students i mentor (laughs) if you just use your smartphone if you have to you know um so no
0: so what would you say to a student oh, go ahead sorry to interrupt so what would you what would what would you say to a student who would say that look i i i'm never going to get better and i've i've seen these people i've seen these students myself by the way i'm never going to get better because i don't have xyz equipment
1: uh-huh. oh i mean i've had a conversation with some of my students that i mentor and i my reaction is just like all right better than who better than what like what is your You know, you just need to, if you're just creating good content, it doesn't, people are more forgiving on the sound quality, on the video quality. Uh, And I always tell him, it's just like, you, you really underestimate your smartphone. Like, let's say you have an old smartphone that's like, let's say eight years old, right? I don't think really a lot of people do, but let's just say, all right, eight years ago, you were probably recording on probably 720p. Uh, it still has a different lens. You can just, all you got to do is just make sure you have some good lighting and things will look pretty good. There are, I think, I, I, and I tell this, you know, I've told this to my students, uh, students before, my, my mentees. I tell them, it's just like, just do, just create, just create. And I learned that in grad school, right? Where, you know, grad school was interesting because when I went into grad school, it, the first thing the, the professors tell you is just like, yeah, we're not giving you assignments. You're just here to create and just create what you want. And once you have that freedom, it's it's liberating. And uh, part of the reason why I went to grad school was for that. I was already working in the field for some time and I was kind of feeling like my, my work was getting stale. I was kind of like, I kind of figured out my voice and my voice was kind of boring. So once you get that freedom, Yeah, it's true. But once you once I got that freedom in grad school to just create and just experiment with stuff, I kind of developed this new this new voice for me as a filmmaker that has kind of like worked its way into the stuff I do for social media for work, social media for my podcast, social media for the new podcast. I'm, you know, show running uh, Game Changers in Medicine. So, uh, you know, yeah, but I I would tell you there's no just because you don't have like the best camera doesn't mean that you don't have a story that's worth telling and just just use whatever you have around you
0: let me ask you this question and i and i personally struggle with this now i consider i'm not a filmmaker by any any nature i think i am somebody who's kind of fallen into i won't call it filmmaking uh, kind of fallen into uh, so basically i started my youtube channel it's all about traveling and i travel a lot um, and I've, I've been to a lot of places and i felt like there there there's always something missing that i i, 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 want, I want i want i want those places to be remembered i want uh, cuz i always see these unique places and i've captured them using pictures and and I've got a nice Instagram account, for example. But I wanted that to be in video form, so when I'm old, I can look back. So I just do the, my, I just, I just have my YouTube channel for fun. Now, the the stuff that I struggle with, um, and and you you kind of alluded to that earlier, is creativity. How do I do more creative work? Now I struggle for for a guy who's was in a STEM was always in a STEM subject, and a lot of the people who are listening to this right now are, um, they they, they, they work nine to five they know exactly what they're doing their life is very much uh, very much logical and numerical for example so there's not a lot of room to be creative and i think being creative is a part of human being it's a part of who you are because if you're if you're not being creative you're not feeling alive and there have been instances where i have been creative and i've done incredible work some of my videos i personally to my standard anyway have been incredible now how do i keep uh, keep keep uh, uh breaking that ceiling of creativity how do i keep improving with regards to being more creative Uh,
1: for me what i've what i feel that has worked for me in terms of like how to stay creative is just like usually just experimenting and playing around uh i think especially when editing right that's one of my favorite things to do which is like video editing yeah uh i what software do you use by the way i so i use final cut x i use Premiere. I also know how to use Avid. Uh, but the one I usually go to is uh, Premiere. That's the one that we use at work, and that's the one I have on all my computers. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of creativity, right, I try to just, like, alright, so, I understand, because I I can be, I feel like sometimes you are your own worst critic. <laughs> so, when I'm watching something, and I'm just, like, just sitting there, just uh, looking at it, I'm just like, oh, why, I, I'm just, like, kind of just self-editing while I'm working on a project. And I just learned from when I did screenwriting, right? I used to, I wanted to be a screenwriter so bad, but uh, one of the lessons that they always used to tell me was don't, don't like try to edit something that's perfect on your first go. Just get to the end of it, right? Just finish the first draft. And then from there, you're going to go in and kind of fine tune it to however you want play around with different music, uh, play around with different editing styles, and uh that's always that's that's gonna be my advice. I think specifically, again, I, I like I said, I do mentoring for college students, and I've told them it's just like, yeah, just play around. Like, you know, uh, you you guys are in class, and you guys are just learning the the software. You're never gonna learn everything in a semester from a software. All you can do is just play around with it, and as you play around, you'll start figuring things out and learning. And you know, creativity I think works in that same way. It's it's like. It's like muscle. It's like a muscle you have to work out if you're not. I understand people have a lot of nine to fives and stuff, but, you know, you don't have to, you know, I'm not saying that you have to dedicate your entire night to it. Just put in a half hour of your time to just try to play around with something and, you know, engage those creative muscles. And, you know, eventually you'll see something that you start liking and you figuring out you start figuring out that that's your that's your voice you're you're kind of like tuning into and uh I, it's uh, I think it's a wonderful thing when a creative person even non-creative person figures out what that voice is hmm.
0: I think it's very hard as well because once you're starting out I, I felt that definitely felt that um, once I started out and I did a um, sat down for the very first time starting to edit a video I, I obviously I don't have a background in filmmaking whatsoever it was it was so difficult and the creative process is so tiring and uh, you feel like you're not getting anywhere with it so, so the only thing that I've learned is absolutely correct. And I, th- I would advise the same thing as well, that get your first draft done, get all the clips together and find some sort of coherence with those clips, have a beginning, middle and end, basically. And then once you have that, then you can play around and then make it into whatever you want to make it into basically. But then again, who am I to kind of uh, comment on that? I haven't really, I'm, I'm, I'm not a real filmmaker in a sense, but um,
1: I, the, it's, it's, yeah, you just gotta, you have to just, you just have to do. Mm. <laughs> you know that's really <laughs> it you just have to do
0: of course okay so let me ask you this question then how did the transition uh from filmmaking and th- you were at the grad school uh you had a job as a cameraman because of the fraternity you were in how did this transition into pharma and medicine medical things happen how did that happen
1: oh that's a um the journey for that is interesting, right? Because I was doing a lot of script reading and script consulting, I guess, at the time, and uh, eventually I got like uh, this job as an assistant editor, and it was to do a uh, uh, like commercial. I was like, I was translating, right? Because I'm bilingual. I speak Spanish. Guys, if you can learn a second language, learn it. So it helps out in the job of process. Course, of but. Course. <laughs> uh, Yeah, so I had I I knew Spanish and I was uh, hired as an assistant editor to help the editor because he didn't understand Spanish, like how to how to edit this in Spanish. And uh, from there, I jumped into working in fashion, like editing fashion videos. And eventually, I found this job that they were looking for a you know producer who can help out on set. And I think actually wasn't even it was like an assistant director dramatic health and uh it was you know they they tended to they they tend to do like documentary style videos and uh at that point in time i was doing a lot of uh work that was more not documentary it was like commercial not commercial work uh like wedding videos right so a lot of those principles still apply with which you're just still capturing cinema verite which for those who don't know cinema verite is uh the french term for truth in cinema right where you're not you're not staging anything. You're just capturing what's happening. And, you know, I had a lot of experience doing that on a professional standpoint, doing wedding videos that it translated into documentary. Uh, and then once I got that job in documentary, it was just uh a matter of just me. I I loved the company I worked for, right? I had a great, I have a great boss. He's still my boss. Uh, I have a great team around me, and uh, I've been with them for I think six or seven years now. Because I mean, the perks are wonderful. You know, we have we get to travel the the country, uh, filming, seeing, meeting interesting people, and uh, it's all great. So, and the, it's interesting, right? I I never thought I would be in health, right? Because it's technically the health field we're in, but it's uh it's it's fun because at the end of the day we're still just capturing people's stories and uh that's just what I trained to do in in, in college and in uh and then eventually grad school after that cuz actually I went to grad school long after like while I've been working for dramatic health right like I did that. I did I did grad school full time while working a full time job so that was not fun but Again, that was and um, I'm, you know, dramatic health was part of the reason why I was kind of feeling stale, though, because I was finding myself any work that I was doing on my own was very similar to the style that I was building off of them, and so that's when I decided I need to go to grad school and kind of like figure out, uh, what, what, what's next, right? Because I, I, like I said, I was just feeling a little bored with my stuff, but yeah. <laughs> I mean great company you know they've been great they were supportive of me going to grad school it's and uh, as a result like i got a promotion and now i'm running their podcast department
0: that's what i was gonna say so now that you talk about history of medicine something that you i don't know whether you would imagine that you'd be doing at this stage in your life but my question would be this is something really fascinating to me because obviously this is something that i haven't really explored now we obviously learn about medicine whilst i was doing my degree um but we never really go into the history of medicine now so what do you guys talking about in this podcast sure
1: so the so our first episode which is gonna air wednesday july 8th is uh when our first episode finally premieres uh that podcast is specific that episode is about vitamin k and uh specific uh specifically a doctor in the boston area who was one of the first doctors to use vitamin k to help uh babies fight uh vitamin k deficiency which is a disease, the hemorrhagic disease of the newborn is what it's called. Yes. Yeah. All these medical <laughs> terms of dropping that I only know very base level understandings about, but yeah. So what happened was prior to the advent of vitamin K uh, you know, there was a large segment of newborn population that was dying from internalized bleeding because uh, they weren't able to coagulate blood. So vitamin K is discovered by these two scientists, Dan and Dosey. And eventually, this one doctor in the Boston city area, Doctor Maloney, he he starts using vitamin K to treat uh, this blood disorder in in babies. And you know, it, it is now standard practice in the U.S. where if you're born, uh, you're given the vitamin K injection, so that way it prevents the the hemorrhagic disease hemorrhagic disease of the new How baby. long ago are we talking? Uh, so that's our first episode, right? But each that's a, that was in the early 1900s yeah it must have been like 1930s i want to say 1930s 1940s uh yeah because he was this doctor had a fascinating life like he he was in hiroshima for to study the effects of radiation after the bombings for example uh yeah yeah so that's our and uh, you know the goal of the podcast is actually not just teaching the history of medicine but kind of this idea of uh serendipity in medical discoveries we just from the research that me and my team we've been doing, we discovered it's like, sometimes there are these little chance encounters and little moments that you wouldn't expect lead to these medical discoveries. Uh, You know, Jonas Salk, who I think Jonas Salk, he's the one who does the, the polio virus. And, uh, you know, he, he was just, he had an idea. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he decided to just try it out on his nephew as legend goes and the rest is history eradicated polio uh you know who knows well you know you can't do that stuff nowadays oh that's the other thing we try to do with the podcast we try to connect the past to the present and the future uh so it's like it's an interesting thing vitamin k is our next episode obviously the development of the vaccine we're connecting it to the development of the coronavirus vaccine uh which we've actually, uh, I've had the great pleasure of like interviewing some of these great doctors who are right now involved in the in the development of the vaccine. And, you know, hearing their optimism, very cautious optimism, but optimism no less about uh, being able to develop a, a vaccine before February of 2021. I, it's hopeful considering right now, I don't think I've ever been as unhopeful about medical science, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's a scary time we're living in
0: hmm so so um so what's the what's the goal of the podcast in that sense then Uh, of course you you definitely have an audience there i mean there's definitely uh, from my perspective i'm definitely already a listener basically because i know that this is something that i'd be interested in um but but uh, from a company perspective um do, do, do you feel like you have any sort of pressure on you to perform in that sense or make the podcast popular in that sense or is it more so i'm relaxed i'm not gonna worry about any of this i'm just gonna interview people
1: um my goal and my bosses, we've talked about this before is actually we're just using the podcast as a jumping off point right now to see if there's any interest in terms of developing this into an actual series uh that we can see either like on a site like either youtube depending on the scale of it right i mean i have grander goals of trying to get us on to like netflix or hulu but you know those are those are goals that are, uh, everyone has those dreams, right? But I I think, you know, we've been working hard on this podcast, and I think just from the level of excitement from the doctors that we've been interviewing, and they love this idea, I, I've been working in this field interviewing people professionally for, I would say, like seven, eight years now, uh, right? And it's interesting, right, because when you're interviewing uh, people for a commercial, there's no passion behind it. They're just doing it for the paycheck necessarily. When I'm interviewing these doctors about their actual line of work and what they do and what they're passionate about, it it translates. Like I've the the level of excitement that these doctors have is so exciting. So even though I have higher goals right now, my goal <laughs> for this podcast is at least create a podcast that no one has really thought of before, because that's the other thing, right? We did our research to make sure that we're not doing something that's already out there. And luckily, there's not a lot of medical history podcasts. There's a lot of podcasts about health, but not like health history. And I think, you know, you mentioned like people study medicine, but they don't necessarily know the history of certain medications or how we got here. And uh, I think sometimes it's important to know the how we got here, you know, as it is to know, like what we why we do it
0: you know
1: so yeah context is very
0: important you're absolutely right for sure okay okay so so you earlier mentioned your your main goals this was this is going to be my next question anyway but your main goals um in life is to get your uh self onto um uh, some sort of credit on netflix or hulu Mm -hmm. so uh, my question was going to be do you think that you have actually reached the pinnacle of your life
1: Oh, that's so I, I ask myself that all the time, right? I, I, <laughs> and the reason is because I made a short film. Uh, it's a documentary about for it was my thesis project for my grad school. And uh, it was a project that I just necess- didn't necessarily think was going to blow up as much as it did. Uh, so it, the, the documentary is about men who buy like dirty underwear online from other men. And, <laughs> so, yeah, it's. it's Fascinating topic. I heard about it on the radio. Like I didn't uh, even know that it even existed. Like wow, so that thing. And uh, I interviewed, like I interviewed actual people who who are you know the buyers, and I also interviewed a, a guy who sells, and uh, it was just this quirky little documentary that i ended up doing um didn't think anything of it but uh my friend who helped me produce the movie she was just like you should really submit this to some film festivals because i have a feeling you'll get in and i was just like no way i don't believe you for a second so but i did anyway um and next thing i know i'm in like the biggest documentary documentary film festival in the country which was doc nyc yeah it's like the biggest documentary film festival here in the US. Uh, I was also screened in the Florida Film Festival. Uh, I was in a few LGBTQ film festivals. I was screened in Poland, England, and, and Australia. So yeah, it went international. And it's it was exciting because it was a movie that I didn't think I had.
0: Is it yeah, on YouTube it or is it not?
1: It is on Vimeo at the moment. Nice. Vimeo. nice. What's sure it called? To, uh, it's called Used a Documentary.
0: Mm-hmm. Used That's a used documentary. documentary. Oh, okay. Used, wow. okay love
1: it. uh yeah, I'll send you a link <laughs> All
0: right, please do I'd love to I would love to explore that absolutely yes. uh,
1: but yeah, so, and that's been my fear right after after I got into those international film festivals, I was just like, well, this is it for me, isn't it i have hit, I've hit my my peak, but uh, I think my husband keeps reminding me it's just like, nah, you're just starting um i I don't want i don't I, I hope it's not my peak, I hope I'm still creating content and luckily i and, you know, I'm 33 right now. I'm trying to surround myself as much as I can with more people, like-minded people who are trying to create their own stuff. And, you know, I, I've been working on a, another documentary that we're still trying to figure out what we're going to do with it, but it's it's a development of, you know, Corona hit. Now we haven't been able to do as many interviews as we can, but, you know, I'm working on a documentary about this drag queen who who she may or may not have killed a person but they after she did die they did find a body in a suitcase that she had been traveling with for years no from huh?
0: home to home. yeah jesus wow
1: and it's a fascinating story and i you know it's one that i'm working on with my 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 co-producer my producer right i Who definitely
0: want to link my to my that home. mate i mean whenever well, you're done i would love whenever you. we
1: get that done right Please. Uh, But yeah, it's a fascinating story. And I think that's why I like documentary filmmaking. And I guess this podcast, the podcast I'm working on right now, kind of goes into that realm, right? Where these untold stories tend to be so fascinating and uh, the fact that you haven't heard from them is just like... You of know.
0: course not. I'm surprised. Not? Like, wow. Yeah. There should be a movie. Uh, that was actually another question I was going to ask you. Uh, I know I'm taking your time, but I'm actually not very right. interesting. Uh, you, you're you're really interesting. Um, I was going to ask you, why documentary filmmaking? Why not uh, like cinematic film? Why not doing Christopher Nolan kind of stuff? Especially yes. when you admire his work.
1: I think a lot of people have ta- uh, asked me this. And I, I think the main reason I just go to is... I, I wanted to be a screenwriter, but geez, I was not a good writer.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Whoa. And once,
1: I, once I stopped exercising those uh, writing muscles, like going back to it was just so hard. But I, the re- other reason I actually do like documentary filmmaking is because of this whole idea that uh, you remember when you asked me like, "Oh, I don't have the best gear. Can mm-hmm. I still tell a good story? A documentary filmmaking allows you to do that where you don't have mm. necessarily, you don't have to have the best gear, but you can still tell a very compelling story.
0: So you're saying you're not motivated by the gear, basically.
1: I'm not. I am not motivated by... I, I. See, narrative filmmaking can be so uh crazy in the sense that you, you really have to ha- hire the best DP if you want it to look great. You need to have some of the best cameras. If you want to capture the best footage, the best lighting, and all that can rack up money. But... You know what doesn't rack up money if I'm filming a movie like Grey Gardens and all I'm doing is just taking a camera and filming these two kooks uh, in their uh, large home that were once related to uh, the, <laughs> uh, the, the uh, Kennedy family. You guys, have you have you seen that movie, The Grey Gardens?
0: No, I haven't. Not at all. No, all right,
1: check it out. Grey Gardens this is okay, a documentary. Okay, I'm writing right? down. it down. I'm just, writing it uh, down. Oh, yeah. Great Gardens Gardens follows uh uh this family. They're related to the Kennedys here in the US, and uh, they're kinda they lost all their money and now they're living in this mansion and stuff. And like director basically just went in there with a few lights, just captured it all, and it's easily one of the best documentaries of all time. You know, and I think that's what documentary can do that narrative filmmaking cannot. It can really I think there's a lot more liberties you can take to experiment and really work with like regular homemade gear right and it could still be awesome
0: you know what a parent might be listening to this right now and they might be thinking my daughter or my son really likes filmmaking and they might go into filmmaking, I think the only question that's left is about job security and the amount of money that they will be living on. Um, I don't want you to, if you don't want to, I don't want you to di- divulge into the specifics. But given the fact that um, you are, are an established filmmaker now at the age of 33, uh, you're mm-hmm. working full time as a senior director uh, for a company in, and, and you're working in filmmaking as well what's mm-hmm. the what's the job security what's the timings what, what are the, what are they like and what would your yeah. advice be for people who want to get into filmmaking can they actually make a sizable living as, actually, a, as an average filmmaker for example
1: i mean it depends on what so i think one of the first things you if i would tell a parent is like have a real converse, honest conversation with your parent with your child it's like do they want to be a hollywood filmmaker or are they okay with just being a creative because that's an important question to answer your to yourself, uh, you have to answer that, right? Your kid has to know what they want to do. If you're going to work in Hollywood, now that's a whole different hustle game that I have nothing but the utmost respect for my friends who do it. And I have friends who are trying to get into that Hollywood uh, filmmaking. And I I don't mean, uh, you know, New York has a pretty big film industry here, but uh, what I mean Hollywood, though, is like movies that we think that we obviously associate with Hollywood or even TV shows. Uh, Netflix, for that matter, right? Um, I have, you know, one of my good he's not a good friend but he's a friend like, who <laughs> I've worked with him in the past and like he is now you know he's directed a few episodes for this show on Netflix called dating uh, nice. uh, about dating it's like a dating show right it's like a reality mm-hmm. TV show mm-hmm. documentary style like Bachelor. And, uh, sort of yeah it's like uh, they capture like these two people going on a first date in New York City usually and uh, it's like this interesting thing right it's oh like yeah we have content. that in the UK as well Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's uh yeah, so this guy he's a friend of mine and he 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 is one of the directors. I actually missed the opportunity. I should have like uh you know, kind of sitched my wagon to him because <laughs> I, I had the opportunity to possibly be the assistant director for that show, but instead I stuck I, I decided to stick around with like the kind of the, the the more stable lifestyle, right and that's the other thing. There is a stable lifestyle that you can afford by going into the creative arts like filmmaking uh, working doing commercials, doing wedding videos, wedding videos you can easily pull if you're doing it independently, three thousand four thousand in a weekend in a weekend no right? way. Uh, yeah because wedding videos are such a racket. And that's why I have one for my wedding. <laughs> but no, yeah, that's one route in which you can make money at a very young age and uh, you're still following your passions, right? Because uh, you need to, you need to, you need to be able obviously to make a living if you want to be able to tell stories and, like I said, you don't necessarily have to have the best gear, but you need to have some gear. And if you can't afford it just yet, like just start looking for work at, uh, at companies that do wedding videos, that do live events. Like they usually tend to need video work or editors get hone those skills and, uh, you know, eventually just move on up to commercial work where it's lucrative. Because, like I said, everyone nowadays needs videos for the Internet, for social media, for YouTube, you know, all the platforms out there. So, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a viable industry right now, more than ever. So, yeah. Of course. There's uh but of yeah, course. just don't tell them you Her know, you want to go to Hollywood, that's a hustle that yeah. they have to be ready for. And that's the truth. You have to hustle
0: you're right of course and obviously nothing comes e- they're there's saying that anything that's worth having never comes easy so mm-hmm. you're absolutely right we have to hustle Rolando thank you so much for coming on that was incredible I got okay. to learn so much in such a so you're such an amazing personality I don't even I can't even finish my sentences honestly because I'm overwhelmed by your presence because uh, you're you're honestly you're you have so much knowledge and you have so much experience especially in filmmaking and oh, and an art that uh, I'm Currently exploring as a as 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 a, well as an independent uh, um, businessman, I guess, or mm-hmm. entrepreneur, I guess. So, right. um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for the inspiration. Oh, thank course. you so much Not for a realistic uh, view. Of uh, what filmmaking is really like in the world, and uh, I'll uh, I'll uh, anybody who's listening. Uh, actually, this is one last question. I definitely should ask you as well. Uh, how can people reach out to you? How how can they find out about uh, the medicine medical podcast that you're doing? And of course, uh, Game
1: changes in medicine. Yes. Uh, yeah. You guys, uh, feel free to reach out. I'm of I'm a readily available on Instagram. You can find me uh, Rolando underscore Nieves. I mean, just verify. Okay. That, actually. I should know that off the <laughs> but let me just see uh, du- 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 uh and uh whoop, where, where we go yeah rolando underscore nieves yeah that's my handle so r-o-l-a-n-d-o underscore as victor e-s uh yeah you guys can find me on instagram uh if you go to vimeo you can just do vimeo.com slash rolando nieves and you will find a trailer for my documentary and a lot of the work that i've done uh as a creative Uh, is available there as well. And uh, honestly, feel free to reach out uh, via email. You can email me at Rolando at RolandoNievesMedia.com And if you want, I also run a bi-weekly trivia team on Zoom that... um, the more, the merrier.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, you are so kind. Thank you so much. That's brilliant. Uh, could you? Um, so, what I'll do is after the show, guys, I will put all of these in the description when this is published, so you guys can easily reach out. Even uh, I'll put the Zoom link as well if you want to join uh, Rolando and his team um, uh, talking about trivia, of course. And I will definitely in- encourage you to check out both of his podcasts: Game Changer in Medicine and Remake, Reboot, and Revivals. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming on, Rolando, and have- have a lovely day. Thank you. You too. Have a good one. This was Vital Educators Podcast by Ahmed Sakim. Hope you enjoyed. Please follow or subscribe for more content every week.